0: That's right. It's time for the words that are recited before each
1: and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball.
0: What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline, your Dodgers podcast of the 2020 World Series Dodgers. We've got a great show today. We're going to talk some Dodgers spring training, of course. A lot's gone down over the past week. And towards the end of the show, we actually have a fantasy draft that we did amongst the Incline guys that we're going to discuss. But David Rosenthal, how are you doing today? What's been standing out to you this spring?
2: Good hey, Kevin, good to be here. Uh Dodgers keep chugging. The offense has been standing out to me. Gavin Lux in particular. Uh Jimmy Nelson looks gr- looked great today in his in his two innings. Uh this team is is dangerous, and we haven't even seen Cody Bellinger yet.
0: That's right. Cody Bellinger might be playing with the team. Ro- Roberts reported March 15th is a possible target date. So we'll see. How are you doing today, Jake Reiner? I'm doing good. I'm doing great, guys. You
1: know, uh, uh, David kind of touched on it a little bit. The Dodgers are a a juggernaut of a team, so much so that uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday night, they are pummeling the Reds 4 to nothing in the bottom of the fourth already. And like David said, they don't have Cody Ballinger, and they don't have Mookie Betts in the lineup. Mookie Betts is completely healthy, by the way. But just goes to show you that even without your quote unquote best players or star players, this team still grinds out at bats and just wears you down. I know it's spring training. I know it's the Cincinnati Reds, but you you got to take a look at what the Dodgers have built here. And it is an
0: insane team. Absolutely. And there's a lot of great guys that we're going to cover today, probably close to 26, if not more because this Dodgers team is just probably the deepest that we've seen in our lifetime. But I actually want to date back to yesterday. Julio Urias was the starter for the Dodgers. And boy, did he sure bounce back from what was kind of a rough first spring training go around where he didn't even get out of the first inning, threw 27 pitches, allowed a run, only was able to get two outs before Roberts surrendered. Yesterday, though, three innings against the Chicago White Sox, who basically rolled out what would be their everyday lineup. 26 pitches was all he needed. Nine up, nine down. He had one strikeout, but that didn't matter. Urias was in complete control that entire time. And he kind of looked like how he did when he was closing it out in the world series guy was just locked in. So I kind of want to get your guys' brief takeaways on Urias and what to expect moving forward with him.
1: Yeah, it was one less pitch from his previous outing. And he got three, he, he was able to get three innings out of that outing the other day. And like you said, 27 pitches in the first inning in the first outing. So he was a model of efficiency on Monday. And uh, he, in the first inning, he only threw four pitches. And so because he was so efficient in the first two innings, they let him go back out there for a third inning. And yeah, I I think that what we know historically he's been, he struggled in the first innings, no matter what, what scenario he's pitching in. But I honestly think that, that that stat is not really telling of how good Urias actually is. And I don't expect As he gets older and as he gets more opportunities to start, I don't expect that number to continue to be a ridiculous ERA in the first inning. He's just too good. Uh, And the fact that he is, you know, arguably, if you stack him up our third or fourth best starter, he'd be an ace on a number of these teams. So it is really encouraging to see him deal the way he was dealing against like you mentioned, the Chicago White Sox, they rolled out their, you know, pretty much their everyday lineup minus Yasmani Grandal. So he looked really good.
2: He did. And I think that's the that's the Areas we're gonna get this entire year. Uh, I never bought into the to the first inning struggles thing. I, I honestly think that was just a fluke. I, I just can't get on the train of he struggles in the first inning regardless, or 80% of the time. And while, you know, the facts show that he has, I just don't, I I just think that's a coincidence. I truly do. Yeah. Um, And one other thing I want to talk about is, you know, there's, there's a lot of rotation debates. Who's going to be in the rotation. Who's the four, who's the five, who's going to be the guy after David price in the fifth spot. I'd like to correct that. Julio Arias is the number four guy in this rotation. Uh, David price pitched very well, but in terms of talent, uh, what we saw last year and overall skill, Julio Arias is that four guy. So it's just a matter of, is David Price going to be the five guy? Is Dustin May going to be the five guy? Is Tony Gonsolin going to be the five guy? Julio Arias is the four. And I'd like, to, do you, I'd like to make that a regular thing. Where um, do you rank the other of, three see, in front of him? I mean, I think Price has the edge right now, just on seniority, uh, overall, you know, rapport. Uh, Dustin May is still working on his his breaking ball, which looked fantastic. Uh, I would I would say honestly it's going to be a dead heat between Price and May uh, I think Gonsolin is is pretty much penciled into that bullpen or, or long relief role at least from what I see it's not an indictment on Tony either it's just there's an embarrassment of riches here and we haven't even discussed Jimmy Nelson uh, so the only thing that I want to make clear is Julio Reyes is that four guy and that's that's just a fact
0: yeah by my- Key takeaways with what I see with Urias is he looks like a veteran out there, despite still having a very young age, younger than all of us. And we're not even that old. Just want to throw that out there. But (laughs) um, even when he gets behind in the count, you can just tell he trusts his stuff. And he's willing to throw what I like to call that slurve pitch for strikes. And it was really working yesterday for him. And he just looks confident, trusts all those pitches. But yeah, David Price made his Dodger spring training debut yesterday. And he only threw one inning. But I think he exceeded all expectations. And he said that even himself, he topped out at 94 miles per hour. But most of his fastballs were around the range of 92, 93, which Price said himself, that was ahead of where he Mm -hmm. expected to be. And just one other important note, uh, Price in an interview mentioned, he's just willing to do whatever it takes to help benefit this team. So he's willing to take, take on a bullpen, bulk innings role if needed. He wants to give guys like Urias, May, and Gonsolin their fair share of innings as well. And I think the Dodgers are going to be pretty cautious with Price this entire season just because he has not pitched last season and he has some history with injuries in the past. And I think they're going to slowly transition him into possibly the starter role. But I don't know. I don't expect him to pitch five innings right out of the gate when the season begins. The Dodgers yeah. roster is made up of
1: a number of quote unquote team players. Everybody on this roster, I mean, the, there are you know differing degrees of egos, but when you take a look at the superstar talents like Mookie Betts or the, the Cy Young Award winners like like David Price or Clayton Kershaw or Justin Turner, you name it, these guys are willing to do whatever it takes for this team to win another World Series. And that is a true testament to how this organization is run from the top down. The fact that you have got all these guys bought into this and, and no, and they're, and they're, and they're not going to let their egos get in the way. I mean, that's just, that's just a cool thing. It was a cool thing to hear David Price say that right before they signed Trevor Bauer, He reached out to Andrew Friedman and said, quote, if it happens, I'm willing to do whatever you guys need me to do. That's not a problem for me. So just keep me in the loop and let me know and I'll be ready for whatever. I mean, that's crazy. The the guy's won a Cy Young, a World Series. I mean, he has got a a long list of uh, accolades that you can point to. The fact that that guy's saying that is great. And think about it. I mean, he hasn't he hadn't pitched in basically a year the last time he pitched was in a spring training game before they shut it down due to covid-19 i was at that game you were
2: i was at that game
1: yeah i mean he you know he looked good then and he looked good yesterday
2: yeah and you said it and you know who else said it last week on this episode jimmy nelson yeah, yep. uh, he talked about how the dodgers organization is just from the top down every every aspect of it so com- compartmentalized and thorough and and just elite at everything that, you know, when you have an organization like that and you pair it with guys like Clayton Kershaw and Mookie Betts, it's not surprising to me that David Price is going to say that. And we heard a similar thing from Dustin May. He said, yeah, he want, he's going for the rotation spot, but he's going to be ready for whatever role they give him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just don't see a lot of ego on this team. I really don't. Yeah. Um, obviously the, the glaring obvious, you know, outlier for some is Trevor Bauer, but even him, I, I just don't. I don't think that's ego. I think that's just confidence paired with a little bit of a uh, flair and whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, maybe a little dickishness here and there. Uh, but I, I think everyone on the team is just bought in, and that and that's evident as you know Jake just mentioned with pr- what Price said and what May said. Yeah, and to add to that, you heard it here on this podcast first when we had Jimmy Nelson on
0: himself, and he mentioned that he's, oh, he's open to any role as well. He just wants to help out the team in any way he can. And he was the yep. most recent starter against the Reds, and we already talked about he went two innings, but the three strikeouts, his curveball looked as filthy as it's probably been in a number of years. And Nelson told, him, told us he's healthy, he feels great, and he's ready. So what were your takeaways with Jimmy Nelson? What kind of role do you think he has with this Dodgers team? Because it's kind of tough to fit in, in there as a starter.
1: He looked nasty tonight. I really loved yeah, his he stuff. He really, and, and, and yes, okay, it's, you know, it is a Cincinnati Reds and they didn't roll out their, you know, their opening day lineup tonight. But you can tell when a pitcher is on and you can tell when a pitcher has his stuff. And this was unhittable stuff that he had tonight. And for Jimmy Nelson you could tell he's like give me a roster spot damn it. I don't care where it is. Just put me on this team. I'm healthy. I'm really happy for him that he is healthy and because when he is healthy, he's a really good pitcher. And even if, you know, it doesn't work out with 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 the Dodgers, you know, who, you know, whoever he ends up with down the line, we don't know, but this is showing other teams as well that he is ready to pitch in the major leagues again and that he has fully recovered. From his injuries from last year,
2: yeah. Uh, like I said, there's just not a lot of spots, it's, and that's a good problem to have, uh, especially with you know I think Roberts that he's he wants two lefties in the bullpen at some point. Uh, so obviously Victor Gonzalez is going to get one, but I would assume, who knows who that last lefty is going to be? But if that's the case, then that's just another spot that's not available for some of these talented guys. Uh, it's this, the harsh reality is. Probably one of Tony Gonsolin or Jimmy Nelson will have to start the year not on the big league roster, uh, and that's not due to a lack of skill or talent or, or you know, able contribution stuff. It's just a it's just a, there's too many bodies. Uh, but I think they'll find a use for all of these guys at some point in the year, especially, you know, we're seeing some injuries. Joe Kelly, uh, Gratterall is not quite on track yet. So, you know, I think these guys are going to all get their shot. It's just a matter of when. Another exciting thing that we saw over the course of this weekend was when
0: Trevor Bauer took on the San Diego Padres, who didn't really roll out Machado or all their top guys, and Tatis Jr. is actually battling with an injury, so that kind of sucked. But how about Trevor Bauer doing something that I didn't expect him to do as a Dodger, and that's pitching with one eye closed. And he struck out Kim, and I know Fox Sports San Diego tried to ensue that it was a racist gesture, and then they quickly recanted that. But how about Bauer so far? Five innings pitched this entire spring. A number of strikeouts as well. Has not allowed a run. Looks like he has total command of his pitches, and he's throwing really hard too. I think I read somewhere he threw a fastball at 98 miles an hour. So tell me, tell me guys, about Trevor Bauer so far. That Fox Sports San Diego thing
1: just goes to show you that if you're looking for something, if you're looking for someone to fail or mess up, you're going to find something, even if it is as ridiculous as what they – you know what they argued it was which is insane i mean just look at the full picture of what happened and obviously trevor bauer was just trying something um it was pretty crazy uh that he actually did that and it's and it's cool if you if you wanted to check out check it out he actually did a full breakdown of that outing on his uh vlog on youtube which you can find um the cool part i found i found about it was is that um I think the Dodgers have, have have really bought into Trevor Bauer too. I mean, not, not just the fact that they gave him a, a record deal, but um, Dave Roberts was asked about this and he said, I love the way he pushes boundaries and you don't know what works and what doesn't work unless you try it. He has a pretty good grasp on what it takes to get him right and keep him right. He's been a treat. So that's the manager of the ball club saying that we want – you know, are the best of the best out there and spring training is a time where you can experiment and you can try gimmicks like that and see what works and see if he can maybe strengthen his eye by closing one of them. Um, and so, What I read was, is that closing one eye takes away some depth perception. So it makes it even more important for him to zone in on one specific location. So it wasn't just him goofing off and seeing how good he could be. It's actually an experiment that he was trying because as, as we know, Trevor Bauer is kind of a scientist when it comes to baseball. And so that's what he was doing during, even though it was all fun and games and whatnot, he actually was trying something.
2: I love this dude. I, I truly do love this guy. Uh, he's going to be the only one to, to do this. And his quote after what he gave to the, the media was if they can't hit me with one eye, they probably can't hit me with two eyes or something like that. So look, this guy's going to, he's going to mess around during spring training. He knows what's best for him. Uh, as Jake mentioned, there's obviously a, a reason to it. Uh, but I, I love that this guy's a Dodger. I truly do. He's going to push everyone, uh, to think outside the box to be better, uh, even more so analytically and he's going to challenge the pitchers and the hitters, as I've mentioned many times before uh, I'm telling you, this is going to be a great fit. I know there's obviously concerns of, you know, outside stuff, but in terms of in the clubhouse and, and making the team better, this is a phenomenal fit.
0: Yeah. I've never been concerned. I, I was always embracing the Trevor Bauer train to LA Someone that I really slept on this spring training and just in general that really surprised me. And he's looking really good. It's Dennis Santana who I wanted to talk about. I legit did not realize this guy is only 24 because he's kind of been with the team for a few years now, but Dave Roberts mentioned that they could view him as one of their long inning relief pitchers because he has the ability to get both right-handed and left-handed bats out. And he looks like someone that's taking this offseason very seriously the command and the velocity on his fastballs moving up. And if he keeps it up where he's got three innings so far and no runs, three strikeouts, he's probably going to make this opening day roster.
2: Yeah, I was impressed by his velocity first and foremost. The, the command I think has kind of always been there. I, I mean, we, we saw some shaky outings, uh, but I'm impressed with his velocity and just the straight up zip on it too. Cause you can tell some guys Walker Bueller is a perfect example of a guy who you know, he'll throw 98, but it looks like it's 110. Uh, And that's kind of what I'm seeing from Santana this spring. He looks phenomenal. Like we mentioned before, there's not a lot of roster spots, but with injuries, who knows?
1: One thing you mentioned, Kevin, is that he can get both righties and lefties out. And I think that this three batter minimum rule has changed the way relievers go about their business and the way teams select their relievers too because now you don't have these lefty specialists and I've talked about it before, but I think that's, you know, what happened to Adam cleric, why he got shipped yep. out um, because yep, his, his, you know, numbers against right-handed hitters, just, just, he couldn't do it. Um, so it is really valuable for a guy like Dennis Santana to be in this bullpen. Um, I think he does make the one of those final roster spots when they break camp. Um, it is useful and you don't need to stack your bullpen with lefties you can have you can get away with one or two lefties and those lefties need to be able to get right handed batters out too, um, because you're going to be facing at least three batters when you come into the come into the game.
2: No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, his, his splits, his splits career-wise are, are pretty much the same against lefties and righties. Uh, you know, against righties, uh, batting average 273, OBP 372, OPS 857 and against lefties, batting average 265, OBP 375 and OPS 875. So that's about as close as you can get uh, which is why Roberts mentioned that he's a guy who can go against lefties or righties and that's that's valuable. The three batter rule being being a thing is makes Santana's value skyrocket. Yeah, final pitcher I want to talk about, then maybe we'll
0: come back to it towards the end because Josiah Gray, we know he's, he's in the, the game pitch, right now. But Corey Knable, someone that is going to be very important to this bullpen. We've now seen three appearances by him. He's looking better each go around. That 12-6 curveball or the knuckle curve that he's throwing, complete awesome movement on it, and his velocity looks really high as well. So just keep your eye out on Canable. And, of course, Trinan's looking great, too. I think he threw a, a sinker at 101. That probably was a mistake, but that's what the radar gun said out there in Arizona. So hitters-wise, who's been standing out to you? I know we talk about it a lot, but just to continue with the trend, like who's going up, who's going down on your guys' radar, just throw some names out there and we'll get it going.
2: Go ahead, David. Uh, for me, I mean, it's it's basically the same as what I said at the top of the episode. Gavin Lux. I mean, there's tons of guys, but he's the guy who stands out for me. He's he, you see his confidence. You can literally feel it through the TV. Uh, he's got the power opposite field. Power can hit the all fields can slap it down the line. I'm anticipating a huge year from this, from this guy, uh, aside from Lux, Will Smith looks great. Uh, Matt Beatty looks good. Max Muncy looks like Mac Mun- Max Muncy almost uh, in terms of the plate discipline. He does Chris Taylor looks good. I'm excited to see Bellinger. That's the one guy I'm, I'm waiting to see, see how the shoulder heals. Uh, but offensively, could not be less concerned. They could go 0 for 30 for the rest of spring training, and I still wouldn't be concerned. Everybody on the team.
1: One guy that, I, that I'm
2: that i really liking
1: so far is Chris Taylor. Uh, Chris Taylor hit a grand slam the other day, which was an absolute tank. And then uh, against the Reds, he hit an opposite field two-run home run Um, he's looking really good. And I know Kevin, you mentioned on, on Twitter that he would, you know, essentially be a lock to start on any other team. Um, it's just that this roster is so crowded. Um, another guy that has just, is not only tearing it up, but is really focused on plate discipline, which is DJ Peters. Um, he had another home run, uh, two home runs this spring. He's four for 10, uh, three RBIs, but four walks. And I think that that's a key because one of the things that we've talked about with DJ Peters has been his, uh, his contact and, you know, can, can he, you know, take, you know, take down his, his strikeout rate. And one of the ways to do that is to grind out at bats. I don't know if he's, is, if he's been talking to Max Muncy, but it seems like Max Muncy goes to bed every night dreaming about walks because that dude can, can (laughs) walk whenever he needs to. It doesn't matter what the count is um so i i really love dj peters it would be cool to see him break camp with the dodgers although he's not favored to um but it would be really cool to see him be that right-handed bat off the bench um and just quickly before i turn it over to kevin uh one one guy that i'm keeping an eye on that we don't really talk about that much is aj pollock uh he's having he's having a little bit of a slow spring um, going into the game versus the Reds. He was two for 12, uh, with a walk, a run, an RBI and two strikeouts. So I am looking to see how he does because, um, there have been a lot of hitters, uh, during spring training, Matt Beatty being one of them. Um, and, and we don't know how much playing time Pollock is going to get. And if these other guys are hitting, um, I I would play the hot hand.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. There's, a very possible scenario where both Chris Taylor and Gavin Lux are the starters and Pollock is now moved to that bench role, but we'll just see how the season progresses because it's, it's way too early to know that certainty. But yeah, I love how hot Taylor's been this spring. I think a lot of people forget he's entering a contract year as well. So this could be his last season with the Dodgers. Uh, David mentioned Gavin Lux. The guy just looks like a veteran hitter up at the plate right now. looks fully confident. I love that he's batting 429. He just got another RBI against the Reds. So I think he is poised for a big season as we're all predicting. And then DJ Peters, he would be no doubt on most teams opening day rosters, but the Dodgers depth just kind of hinders that. But I do want to talk about Matt Beatty because I've been really impressed with him this spring after having Have a down. Kevin? Have you? After having a down 2020, <laughs> I believe with that 462 batting average and just the discipline that he's displaying out there, he's stealing the job from Edwin Rios. And I could see a scenario now where Edwin Rios doesn't make the opening day club because he's not been looking too good this spring. And Sheldon noisy, who's actually quietly having a good spring himself by batting 385. He might make the opening day roster as a right-handed bat and he can play third and second. So now you're talking about noisy and Beatty on the team with, rios on the outside it's possible i like noisy but he's got to work on his defense a little bit a little he has busy. a cannon though he does have a cannon he does he does um yeah and just matt davidson another guy haven't seen a whole lot of him as of late i don't think he's making it but finally Corey seager of course hit the big three run home run to dead center which would be a home run in any stadium that was a first pitch swing Corey Seager to me looks like the postseason literally just ended yesterday. That's how locked in he looks right now. So yeah. expect a big year from Seager. I don't know if anyone's a betting man or plays fantasy, but get him in your team because I don't think you're gonna regret it. And yeah, I think that's covering that. How about we talk fantasy draft now? Are you guys ready for
2: that? I got I got one thing real quick. Um before it. So this 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 account database hit uh, you know, they're independent. Analytic stuff projections. Uh, they projected the entire Dodgers 2021 lineup uh by WRC plus weighted run weighted runs created plus. And the thing that stood out to me, the leader in the Dodgers lineup in WRC Plus is not Mookie Betts, is not Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger at 143. And the Dodgers one, two, three, four, five, six top six hitters above 100. Seventh, Pollock, 99. And eighth, Taylor Lux combined, 99, 98 to 102. This lineup is ridiculous, but I think it was interesting that that still Cody Bellinger, uh, even with Betts and Seager in the lineup, is projected about eight, nine higher in that in that category. And that's a very valuable category, analytic wise in my opinion. Well, good thing he's on my team, which we're about to talk about. Yeah, good so, segue.
0: <laughs> so we decided to do essentially a dodgers roster fantasy draft amongst the three of us so 13 guys per team we're gonna have the graphic all over our social media so you guys check it out make sure to vote let us know who has the best team because we have the eight position players three starting pitchers and two relievers and david actually had the first pick so why don't i let him start with what his strategy was i'm sure it wasn't a very tough decision obviously
2: yeah. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a snake draft. So, you know, I had the first pick, but then I didn't pick again until pick I think five or six or whatever. Uh, but my, my, you know, my first pick was a no brainer. Obviously I'm going to go with Mookie Betts in this scenario. Uh, and after that, you know, I kind of, I don't know if, do we want to read all the teams off here or, or what are we we'll trying read them to do? Off,
0: but let's just, we'll go with our first picks first. So now I'll pass it to Jake to let him announce who he took second. And then I'll go.
1: Yeah, I went with uh, Corey Seager as my first pick um, for a number of reasons. One of them was to hurt Kevin's feelings, um, <laughs> but <laughs> another another reason is is just because he is is just he's hitting the ball harder than anybody on the planet right now. He looks really healthy, and I, I expect him to have another monster season. And so it was a, it was a no brainer for me.
0: Yeah, so I had the third and fourth pick by default. And I decided I needed a big bat and a big pitcher. So I want Cody Ballinger because obvious reasons, he could be the best sitter on the team and he plays outfield. And I I know I had a number of great options. I could have went with Trevor Bauer. I could have went with Clayton Kershaw, but I decided if this is a postseason team and I need a guaranteed win, someone to shut the lineup down, I had to go with Walker Bueller. So I rolled with Bueller as the first pitcher off the board. And I don't want to take up everyone's time and read it out read out our whole thought process for every selection. So I'll just give David the floor to go first with kind of what his mindset was with picking his guys and I'll do Jake and then I'll go.
2: Yeah. So my second and third picks, I kind of rolled the dice here. Uh, After Bueller was off the board. And I believe after Bauer was off the board taken by Jake with his second pick, I was hoping Clayton Kershaw was going to stick around later. Uh, So I went with Muncie and Will Smith with my second and third pick Clayton Kershaw got picked pretty much immediately after, as did Julio Arias. So my pitching is a little, not questionable, but not as strong as the other two guys. Uh, but I think I make up for it in offense. I'm just going to read off my team right now and let you guys decide. So starting from catcher through outfield, Will Smith, Max Muncie, Michael Bush, Cody Hosey, Chris Taylor, Mookie Betts, Zach Rex, Andy Paget, or Pages as some people call them. And my rotation is David Price, Dustin may Tony Gonsolin and the bullpen Victor Gonzalez and Joe Kelly with an asterisk on Joe Kelly which Kevin pulled a little uh, little move that was somewhat questionable to get him Corey Knievel on his team but but I'll let it happen for now yeah so for
1: me um I was surprised that Trevor Bauer was still around after Kevin picked but I understand why he went with Walker Bueller. I just had to go with Trevor Bauer because I, I, I needed, I needed, I only, I only had three starters and I needed to get a, you know, a strong guy in there, but my strategy was similar to David's in that I thought Kershaw would be there on my next go around. Like I didn't expect Kevin to go with Kershaw. So I went with, uh, Did I go with Gavin Lux or Julio Arias? I can't remember.
0: Lux was your second. Um, Yeah, I went with Gavin
1: Lux. And uh, looking back on it, I may have gone a little too early with Gavin Lux. And I may have um, thought that Kershaw was going to be mine uh, on the next go round. But. um, I, I really believe in Gavin Lux. I think he's going to have a breakout season. He's going to be the starting second baseman. So I thought, you know, he he's going to have a really good season. Um, and then uh, I, I got Julio Urias too. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have a, a really strong one-two punch with Bauer and Urias. And I'm, I'm going to have a really good bullpen too. Because I, I went with Blake Trinan and Bruce Gratterall, the two most dominant relievers I think we have. Um, our, my offense did take a little bit of a hit because I was so focused on pitching. Um, but Seeger, DJ Peters, um, Gavin Lux and Zach McKinstry are sort of my, my big heavy hitters. Um, I went with AJ Pollock in the outfield, but I won't, I won't read all the names, but that was kind of my, my thought process.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. The disrespect that you guys gave to Clayton Kershaw, did you not watch him this past postseason? He's still, I, know, I feel bad about it. I know
1: I feel terrible about He's still it. Still really
0: bad about a it. a legitimate top 10 pitcher in my mind in the major leagues. But yeah, so I had Kershaw. He was, uh, I believe he was my third pick. Yeah. And then, cause I get two picks per go around, but I'll just read off the rest of my team. Since I had Kershaw on my team, I was like, I need the catcher. So I went with Austin Barnes because of their undeniable chemistry. Then my team kind of takes a dip offensively. I had Matt Davidson in there, Sheldon noisy, Justin Turner, that was my third pick. I mean, he's the captain, a clutch hitter. So who wouldn't want Justin Turner? Shortstop, Jacob Amaya betting on his potential in defense. Outfield, Cody Bellinger, Matt Beatty, and Edwin Rios. So definitely a lot of left-handed pop out there in the outfield. But I feel like i counter that with some good right-handed bats that I named off as well. And then my pitching, undeniably the best of the three. I don't think there's any debate there. Walker Buehler, Clayton Kershaw, Josiah Gray, who we've seen a little bit. I don't discrepan. know.
1: I, I I don't know if that. I don't know if that's the best rotation. I, I mean, don't know.
0: I believe Gray gave up a run just recently. You guys can kind of update that in a second. How he looking. gave up a home run. Gave actually. up a. And then my bullpen: Kenley Jansen, who's still top-notch reliever, and Corey Canabel, who I got by default because David claimed Cody Hosey doesn't count as a shortstop.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I thought we were picking guys based on their position. I didn't know we could put guys wherever we feel like it. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of was banking. They both had third basemen. So I was like, okay, well, I can take Cody Hosey at the very end of the draft. And then Kevin tried to just take Cody Hosey as a shortstop. And then we had to make a trade, Corey Knabel, for for Cody Hosey. So it's a long story, <laughs> but, you know, I kind of got hosed. Yeah, you
1: got you got, you got hosed. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you look... If you look at our two rotations, it's not a neither rotation is is a bad one to have between Kevin and myself. Um, Trevor Bauer and Julio Arias versus uh, that's who I have, and in Kevin has Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw with the Josiah Gray kicker. My kicker, my third guy is Jimmy Nelson. But if you take the top two guys, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think I think you could go either way on that. I I don't know. I don't know if it's such a clear cut winner as as Kevin says.
2: I agree. I, 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 mean, I would give you guys the two rotations for sure, uh, but I think my offense is is the winner. So yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter
0: at the Incline Pod or look for the Incline Dodgers on Instagram or Facebook. But the poll will actually be on Twitter, but you can see the lineup on the other pages. So comment, vote, throw shade. I want all the reactions because that's going to be posted very shortly, along with this episode, of course. Um, and feel so- free to
1: and feel free to rip us.
0: As much yeah, as you rip want. us, yeah. rip us as well. If you feel like a team is just embarrassing out there, but we're getting near the end of the show now. The Dodgers are going to take on the Arizona Diamondbacks next, and Trace Thompson is on that team, and he's actually having a decent spring. I think he hit Old a friend. home run. Uh, so I wanted your guys' brief fond moments on Thompson as a Dodger, because you know it seemed like he had a great future with them, and it just flamed out really fast.
2: Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I mean. I- Go ahead,
1: Jake. I don't know. I, 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 off the top of my head, I, I, I know he had at least one walk off home run,
0: right? He had I a mean, walk off against the Mets.
1: Yeah, and there was a, there was some promise there. I mean, it was cool to see you know uh, Clay Thompson show up at the games uh, to support his brother um, and and Michael Thompson too. Um, so that that would that would have been cool had his career panned out, but. I am glad that he made his way. I think this is his second stint with the D-backs. Um, I am excited to see, you know, what what he can do because he he did have flashes of, of real promise there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my it's basically the same memories of him. You know, he would hit bombs. He had that stretch of games where it was basically looked like the next big thing and then kind of fizzled out. Uh, but I'm rooting for him. Seems like a good guy. That's about all I got to say on Trace.
0: Right. Yeah. Nothing to add there. Um, We had a new topic that we were going to throw out. So David's idea, I would give him that opportunity to kick it off.
2: Yeah. Um, So normally, you know, we have an out of left field segment. We have we've kind of been slacking on that because we've kind of ranted on a lot of stuff and there's not a lot of whole, you know, somewhat out of ideas. So I thought of a new segment and it's pretty similar. Honestly, it's basically the same thing. It actually is the same thing. It's just called people who suck of the week. Or who sucks of the week. Um, and it can be anybody. Um, but mine this week are slow crosswalkers. If you're yes. walking across a crosswalk. Kill them. And there's a car who stopped for you. And you're just taking your time, leisurely walk, gallivanting across the crosswalk like nobody nobody else is there. You suck. Period. You're trash. I don't like you. Uh, obviously, there's exceptions. If you're old, if you're, I don't know, 70 plus, I give you a pass. If you have any kind of disability or you're injured, I give you a pass. If you have, I don't know, like three little kids with you and you can't wrangle them, I give you a pass. But if you are an average adult of normal, you know, just a normal adult and you're just taking your sweet time, you suck. That is my who's suck of the week.
1: Yeah. I mean, Okay. What, will you let me let me follow up with that? Do you accept the person that does the fake jog, that does the oh, I'm really trying to get across, but they're actually not moving that
2: quickly? See, no, I love that because that shows effort. effort. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> know, I don't know how fast these people can actually jog. So if you're doing a little fake jog, a little hop step, moving along, I I would I would willingly sit there longer for you because I know you're making an effort. Well, fair, fair enough. enough.
1: Mine, real quick is um anybody who is takes it upon themselves on on twitter to um attack trevor bauer's agent rachel luba for not being someone that built her entire career by herself um i know it's kind of a a wonky way to say this but like Let's let's have some respect for some people, and I know that a lot of people don't like Trevor Bauer for whatever reason. They have their own reasons, and they may not like his agent Rachel Luba. But like, let's tamper down these comments. Th- th- this is disrespectful, and she doesn't deserve that. She actually deserves more praise uh, than she's yeah. getting out there because of how she has you know built her entire agency by herself, and the fact that she got a record-breaking deal for Trevor Bauer. Um, so I, I, and I'm talking about Dodgers Twitter, like, cause Dodgers Twitter, we, you know, since we signed Bauer, we tend to eat our own now. And there's like a civil war going on of people that are pro Bauer or pro or anti Bauer. Um, I think we got to be pro Dodgers. I think that's who we have to be. We have to root for this team no matter what. And, and I'm sick of people taking down other people, especially, you know, idiots out there, but also other women taking down other women. I don't like to see it.
0: Okay. Let's show
1: show some respect.
0: And it's international women's uh, it was just international women's day the other day. So I'm glad to see MLB paying their respects to all the great ladies out there. Uh, Real quick NBA all-star weekend. It's not what it used to be. The dunk contest is just boring. It seems like the analysts talk for a half hour and then they do the skills round and then they do another half hour of talking and then the skills round again, MLB all-star weekend and the home run derby is just so much better at this point. And they actually try unlike the NBA all-star game where they play no defense, but yeah, I want to thank everyone for listening to today's episode. Keep up with us on locker room, the app as well on the iTunes store. You'll find us on there from time to time talking daughters, but it's been a great spring training and make sure to subscribe to all our content out there and you guys have a great week. Thank you so much.